I greet you in Jesus' name this morning as we continue to look at His words. Amen to what was shared so far. I was uh, challenged by Tim's thoughts in devotional <laughs> to get to the end of life and to say I blew it after all the successes that that man had. And amen to what was shared in uh, in the Sunday school and the wisdom that was shared there is what we're going to need to get to the end of the life and say uh, it's been a good life and it's but I'm ready to go home. Um, this is the first that two more new babies are here. We have more babies here than you can shake a sippy cup at. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Welcome Carson and Kiera. Did I get that right? Welcome any more babies on the way there too. What a blessing. I called my sister, uh, she's in Sarasota, and see how they're doing, and she's married to a Spanish, uh, John is his name, and they were digging plywood out a little while ago, uh, and putting plywood on the windows, and many years ago they had bought a generator, and they wanted to see if it works because a lot of people feel like they'll lose power there. And so the generator happened to be out of gas, and all the gas stations are closed. So they siphoned a little bit of gas that was in his pickup truck out and filled the generator up with gas and made uh, Puerto Rican coffee. And and they're making uh, a big bowl of rice while they have electric yet. And uh, he's a little worried about his banana and coffee tree that he's, he's from Puerto Rico and he's the oldest of 16, I believe it is. And he, he has coffee trees and nurses them along and he has banana trees and he's a little worried about that he might lose them. Um, by noon down there in Sarasota, they want everybody off the street. And uh, depending on which way the storm goes... Uh, it, they'll get a fairly direct hit there and it could go east pretty easy sometimes it does I was impressed with uh, was it what Tim read that God makes the laws of the rain and and I was with, uh, with the hysteria with Houston just going through what they did and the news media needing something to talk about besides politics. Uh, it was just really on everybody's mind this morning. But And I was, you know, just thinking it's Houston and then it's the south and that's the way the weather patterns seem to go. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was important to remind us of, that... These storms aren't always a punishment, or maybe they would hit Hayward. You know, uh, we can't say, okay, they're getting what they deserve. The book of Job was written to refute that. 
and uh, the blind man, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man or his parents. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Some of this stuff might be so that you can go along with CAM and, and help and that type of thing. I met a lady at the fair, and we were talking, Ruthie and I and that couple, and we were talking, and we said we're originally out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And they said, oh, we were there already. We know where that's at. I said, what were you doing in Lancaster area? Well, we went to a company that helps support Romania. And I said, C-A-M. And she said, yeah, how did you know C-A-M? And it's a small world, but here there was a, here there was a, if I may, a Christian couple that wasn't Mennonite, whose heart was touched by what C-A-M is doing, and reaches out to support them once in a while. I thought that was uh, encouraging. <laughs> Turn to James, if you will. Just a few verse-by-verse verse thoughts this morning. <laughs> James 4, just bouncing, we had touched on and not completed about judging others, and we're not going to go there uh, again, just to say that uh, he's pretty serious about that we don't think that we're qualified to judge others. And then just a thought yet in verse 4, and then we're going to to chapter 5, and we'll uh, kind of skip over and look at a few thoughts there. Uh, In James 4, yet in 13, go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. For ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, unto him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And there's just a a principle here that we need to understand uh, about self-reliance. And that we that we've done this on our own, that we've, uh, that we got this figured out. And we need a little bit, there, there was a quote that I read this week, too little confidence and you're unable to act. Too much confidence and you're unable to hear. And I think there is a, there is a thing that we can say with Paul in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, I can do this not on my own. Uh, I can't find my way on my own, but there's, a, there's an assurance or there's a certain amount of confidence that moves us forward. But there's a warning here, nevertheless, that you understand that you're not doing this on your own. Your success that you've had in, in your businesses, uh, it was a blessing from God. It wasn't because you're smarter 
or you've got it figured out. If there's some good decisions you made, it was because of the grace of God and what God has what God has given to you. And I think there's a little a little here uh, in our uh, lesson this morning. It says, "Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path." Uh, there's so many times we start with the words I did this uh, I, I've done this but uh, acknowledge him and, and what it tells us to keep the, the thing in mind uh, Lord willing we will do such and such I dropped my notes uh, earlier I think I'm on the right page there. It printed on both sides and it's not supposed to. Let's go to chapter 5, Warning to the Rich. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fair. You have heaped yourself, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the labors who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. James is uh, very practical, uh, Jesus' brother, and uh, he just, in James, I kind of, it, it's where the rubber meets the road and he tells us how to live. And uh, when it comes to money, we grapple with this, and it's a very uh, constant subject in the Bible. But I want you to think about it, and I, this isn't uh, original from me. As a matter of fact, I think it was from one of you brethren that gave this. There's, uh, there's, let's look at riches are, are, are standing here in four categories. I was trying to divide this, trying to figure out, okay, for the most time... Uh, James, in his book, he's talking to the brothers, the brethren, the church. But here he starts out, Go to, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries. And, and I'm not sure if he's talking to the rich men outside the church or the rich man in the church. But to try to get our mind around this here, um, I think the Bible points out the... the the facts of this, there's, there's maybe four categories of people. One is, there are poor believers. They're not wealthy at all. There's poor believers. I believe there are rich believers. I believe there are poor unbelievers. And there's rich unbelievers. There's believers both poor and rich. And there's unbelievers, both poor and rich. And you fit, this morning you fit yourself in one of those categories. Which would you say you're in there? And I don't need you to respond, but uh, where do you find yourself this morning? Are you a believer? And are you then rich or are you poor? 
But he warns us. But in the setting here, he's talking about ill-gotten gains. Uh, he says, there's men working for you, and you didn't pay them quite what they're worth. And they had tough going. And so they cried out to me, and I heard them. And so to you landowners this morning, are the, you businessmen, there's got to be a, a warning to all of us here. Uh, uh, are your riches because of the Lord's blessing? Or are your riches because you took somebody for more than they were worth? Or you got more than, than what you should have? Kept by fraud. Uh, you know, employers, uh, I think you have to look at this and you have to say, how am I doing at this? And you have to... Uh, defrauding employees are keeping are not paying employees very well is very serious I think I think there's a principle here that these rich landowners and it was a little more of a slave rather than an employee but there's a principle here that all of us as as employee employers need to take note to to take advantage of others and this can go for employees too the time that you put in is it time working or is it time what it's talking about is here you've got money and you're stacking up some money and you did it by not being fair taking more than that was yours you know and as an employer your job employers are to to build an employee up to draw the best out of him to make him into uh, uh, successful to see him to see him succeed in life Uh, he's not uh, uh piece of a machinery he or she is not a piece of machinery or something that is alive to work for you I, I read a, uh, another uh, who was it uh, I forget his name came across a tweet this week manipulation is moving together for my advantage motivation is moving together for mutual advantage as we deal with others as employers, our employees. God hears and God sees the fairness of our dealings. And I think it's very, very serious that we as employers try to give the best that we can. That it's the Lord's that owns the cattle. That we're not taking advantage of but that we're developing people. That people that work for us are better people having worked for us. They're more successful. They have, they glean wisdom and benefits from your life touching. Not what is in it for me. And with this warning, and it's nowhere in this does it say anything about this, but I feel compelled to say this, and it's the opposite, and I don't know... Sometimes you teach a lesson and you should just stick to the lesson. But it's not saying here, 
that you're responsible for a person's laziness, employers. That you don't run a tight ship. That you don't fire a person that's unwilling to work. That a person that shows up just for the paycheck and doesn't put their time in, you as a manager need to make that step. You're responsible. It's an awesome responsibility. You never know where. And so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't cover for the lazy person. That would come under the employee defrauding uh, the, the employer. But I think these principles, as Christians, you know, somebody said in our Sunday school about giving money down there to Houston wouldn't be as, as effective as Mennonites going down there to work. We, got, we have a work ethic and embrace that work ethic. There's something special about that. Yeah, the Lord takes care of His own. But if you're going to sit around all day, the Lord's not going to take care of you. That's, that's as clear as I can be. I, I, mean, I, think, I think if you're going to play video games in your mom's basement till you're 35 and expect the Lord to take care of you. You know, there's so much about privilege. And a lot of the people that are complaining about privilege are on welfare. And they're complaining that, no, you as a privileged person have life so easy. And we have it tough as we sit here on welfare year after year. No, there's principles for all of us to live by. And let me not go too far with that. Employers, you're not responsible for others' laziness or, or to fire a person that is uh, not doing the job is, is your responsibility or you would go out of business. But God hears the struggle of those people whose backs are against the wall and they're doing everything they can and an employer is taking advantage of them. Uh, kept back by fraud it entered into the ears of the Lord (laughs) and one of the Lord's complaints was you had it pretty easy and those people that are working for you have it pretty tough and again in our society as principles melt down and wisdom melts down uh, there's people that make decisions in their life that you as an employer can't control and they have uh they have debt that uh, they can't see out of and they have struggles and so forth. And, and I understand you can't control that. But uh, what, what one of the Lord's complaints was is there's a lot of self-indulgence going on. You've got it made. But the guys that are working for you are paying for your vacation is, is what uh, he's arguing about. And I, you know, I know this is relative and it changes with the ages, even in my lifetime. Um, I overheard, or someone was talking to me way back, and I think I used this as an illustration. She said to me, somebody that she knew, he has a snowmobile, and yet, and yet he calls himself a Christian. 
Now today we wouldn't quite go there with that. My mom, as we drove by a city that was close to us, one of the church uh, from the liberal church was building a house there. And my mom said, nobody needs a $100,000 house. And back then it was understandable. In all, we looked out the window and said, how can he even call himself a Christian? He's living in a $100,000 house. And so there's, there's a little bit of relative uh, thinking here going on, but the Lord's thought here for us this morning is you lived in pleasure on this earth. You, you took things pretty easy and it was at the expense of others. And it's very thought-provoking uh, when we look at our lives as Americans, as successful Americans. And I'm so glad that we were past a work ethic. I so embrace that and I am so grateful for that and I hope that doesn't change. But with that work ethic... It would be a pity if we'd get to the end of the life and say, I blew it. Uh, there's just so much to lose by, by uh, hanging on to some of this stuff that has become so important to us. <clears throat> Verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren. Unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and have long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And this is especially good for me because I'm not a patient person. Uh, and I, I really appreciate when some of you are so patient and so forth as, and like as a boy uh, trying to put models together I could never have I could never do it I could never have the, the patience because it took you know 12 hours for the glue to dry back then and if you're going to work at something you're going to play with it in the meantime and then the wheels fall off and the glue never dries, and then it's hard to put glue on on top of it. And I never had the patience. But the, the thought is, be patient, guys. The Lord's coming. And you know, a prayer of ours is, even so, Lord, come. Come quickly. Uh, but you know, as we look at it, just about... Without exception, the nations of the world have rebelled against God. And it is going downhill so fast. You know, as I, as I was meditating on this here, it says, be patient for the Lord's coming. And I was trying to figure out why the Lord is waiting and that kind of thing. You know, when I was 20 years old back in 1975, if you would have told me that in the public school... A teacher would be able to, without informing parents, to advise for an abortion or to hand out condoms, but that she would not be allowed to pray the Lord's Prayer. Back in 1975, that would have been 
totally off the charts. Today, there's just just the nations of the world, without an exception, have turned away from God. And the national debt, and uh, you know, it in the last seven or eight years has doubled something like that the political hysteria in this country and other countries is totally you know just and the family breakdowns and what I was kind of thinking is but we as a church are pretty smug and we're pretty self-satisfied. As the Lord waits for the precious fruit. One of the things that I had in mind is, you know, we all face struggles. And we all face uh, temptations. And we all face challenges in our lives. In our, in our finances. In our relationships. In our church setting. Whatever. But if we would keep verse 8 in in the front of our minds, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh, all that other stuff kind of just floats away. It gives perspective to the problem you're working on right now, to the the struggles you're going. You know, pretty soon the Lord's going to come back again. How does that change your situation that you're going through right now? How, do, how does that change your finances? How does that change the struggles that you're going through right now? It says, you know, he's waiting because he's patient. Uh, there's that song, wait a little longer, please, Jesus. Just a few more days to get our loved ones in. And you know, the news media this week did a good job of saying, hey, you better get out of Florida. You're in danger. And people that don't believe in God say, our prayers are with you. Uh, make sure you take care of your pets. Uh, I was just wondering if the news media would get on the real looming storm. Nobody would listen to it, probably. And I called my sister a couple times this week and said, you know, come on up to Wisconsin for a couple weeks and bring your families along there. But you know, uh, the Lord is waiting out of His tender mercies. And if He would have came back in 1990... Some of you might not have been ready yet. And I think the perspective we have here is we need to recognize that the Lord is at the door and He's soon going to come. And that changes our motives and it changes our thinking. And those things that are so, so important to us all of a sudden have perspective. I can't have what I want and I want it real bad, kind of 
It's, it's just temporary. God's soon coming. Be ye also patience, and establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And he's waiting for that precious fruit from his church. He's waiting for a little bit of fruit from us. Patience and endurance. If you could decide, would you say, Lord, let's make today the day that you come. Or would you say, there's a couple people I want to talk to yet. There's a couple people I want to influence. There's There's a friend of mine who's made some wrong choices. And I just need a little bit of time to talk to him. Don't complain about each other. Verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Why aren't we supposed to fight with each other? Because at the door, the judge is standing. Lest ye be condemned. We were talking to somebody when we were down at the fair, and uh, she was saying that their family got together, and they all went to the fair, as was all her sisters. They were like in their 40s and 50s. And she said, we were all there, even the grouchy one came. I said, what do you mean? Well, she said, all my sisters are nice, but one's very grouchy. And I said, how did that happen? We don't know how it happened. But she is so contrary. All the rest get along. But she's always against everybody. She's always got a thing going with one. I said, well, what, what happened when she was little? Or what, what was the deal? We don't know. So she's in her 50s. And she made friends long enough so they could get together this one last time because the one has some sickness and might not be around long so they all put forth special effort so in case the one dies that they won't have to wear it. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. And there again, if we get that picture... If we go through life with a picture of the judge, or Jesus, James' brother Jesus, standing at the door and about ready to open the door, it changes our perspective. The power of prayer. Is any among you afflicted? Uh, Let me go back a little bit and read verses 10 and on. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering and affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. 
I think if uh, perspective here again, if what you're going through seems difficult, if you're dealing with difficult times and difficult struggles, uh, if you just look at the patience of some of the others and know that in the end, God will make things right. We don't need to make things right. We don't need to change people. We don't need to uh, work at... Uh, what we need to do is be patient and endure. Above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest all, lest ye fall into condemnation. Um, there's so much wisdom there to say what you mean and mean what you say, and that you're reliable. Just. And, and I, this is often, this, these are the verses we base that we shouldn't swear in a court and that kind of thing. But I think there's more here than just that. I think there is that, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That people can rely on what you say. Thirteen, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And I don't uh, understand from... I understand what it's saying here, but from my experience... I, I don't understand everything that's here. Uh, again, the Bible is its own interpreter and makes it plain, but there's there's some struggles. I've, I've been in uh, oil uh, when, when some were, uh, when we used oil, when the healing didn't happen, and there was fervent prayers. And the Lord only knows some of them things, but there's a commandment here. For the leaders of the church to anoint with oil and there are times when you call for that and I'm at loss on how to bring this all together when there are those times that it doesn't happen in God's timing in all of those times there was a thought let God's will be done and uh, I think that there's a pretty important uh Raise your hand if you were anointed with oil at some time or another. Does anybody have a thought on that there to bring more clarity to these scriptures? Confess your faults one to another. I was in some of those meetings already. And there was some where they would say, if there's someone with sin present in the room, this healing won't happen. And uh, I'm not sure what it's saying here uh, supports that type of thing. And there's some things about this here I don't understand. But I do understand 
the power of prayer. And I do understand miraculous healing, both physically and spiritually. I do understand that those things have happened when special prayer came together. When it don't, I don't know why it doesn't, why that healing doesn't happen. God, God knows that. And, uh, but it, uh, this we can assure you of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Going back to verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. And I think there's a sentence there and I do believe that as we confess our faults not our brother's faults but as we confess our own weaknesses and our own faults to one another and that we pray for each other there's tremendous power there. Uh, When we can't recognize our own faults there's a lack of power. It goes on to remind us, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was just a man. He was just like one of you sitting here. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and earth brought it broader fruit. Verse 19, Restore a wandering believer. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. Uh, here's one that I so desperately need. There's, you know, it says the more uh, exclusive the law you are, the more responsible you are, and we have truths that we hold and that we know and that have been proven to us and yet we're so uh, shy or reluctant to share them with other people. Here, here's one that I need reminded of. In Proverbs also, 11.30, it says, The fruit of the righteous is a, a tree. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Romans 11.14, If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. And what he's saying there is, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have so that I might save some of them. Uh, James, kind of ending up his uh, time here, saying, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin, encouraging us to to grab a hold of these. And I think we all need those encouragements. In closing, a thought. James is all about practical Christian living because, behold, the judge standeth at the door. Our problems look totally different when examined in the light of eternity. It it gives perspective to it. They seem so big, some of our problems. So insurmountable. So hard to deal with. But in light of eternity, when you hold eternity up there, and that He's standing at the door, and that it seems 
like he'll soon come, all the other little things kind of go strangely dim and it gives us the perspective we need for life. Let's kneel for prayer.